Hey y'all, this is Byron. I uh, just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, Take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. It's likely that you're hearing many personal anecdotes about Kobe Bryant, so here's mine. I met Kobe one time backstage at an event for ESPN in New York, and I saw him and I thought, oh my gosh, that's Kobe. I got to get a picture for the gram. Hmm. That's the picture. I didn't get it for a few minutes because as I approached him, he immediately commented on my rather large eight-month pregnant belly. How are you? How close are you? What are you having? Mm -hmm. A girl, I said, and then he high-fived me. Girls are the best. I asked him for advice on raising girls, seeing as though he quite famously had three at the time. And he said, just be grateful that you've been given that gift because girls are amazing. His third daughter, Bianca, was about a year and a half old at the time. So I asked if he wanted more children. And he said that his wife, Vanessa, really wanted to try again for a boy, but was sort of jokingly concerned that it would be another girl. And I was like, four girls, are you joking? Like, what would you think? How would you feel? And without hesitation, he said, I would have five more girls if I could. I'm a girl dad. When it came to sports, he said that his oldest daughter was an accomplished volleyball player and that the youngest was a toddler, so TBD. But that middle one, he said, that middle one was a monster. She's a beast. She's better than I was at her age. She's got it. That middle one, of course, was Gigi. When I reflect on this tragedy and that half an hour that I spent with Kobe Bryant two years ago, I suppose that the only small source of comfort for me is knowing that he died doing what he loved the most, being a dad, being a girl dad. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to The Captain's Couch. I'm your host, Byron Taylor. Thank you all so much again for coming back. Um, I know we're kind of still in the middle of the grieving process uh, of losing Kobe Bryant and um, his daughter, Gigi, as well as the uh, the seven victims on a helicopter crash um, last Sunday. So um, Kobe's kind of the topic again this week. But as you heard from the clip, we're going to take it a little bit different place this week and a little bit more happy place. Um, but. We're back again this week on the couch. Um, thank you all so much for everyone who gave me uh, such amazing feedback and those who went and checked out the episode last week where I had my little brother EJ on. Um, I'm sure he enjoyed himself as much as I did. Um, it was really, really cool to get to enjoy a moment with my brother and, you know, chop it up with him because, you know, we're getting older and, you know, we're actually, we're getting older, but we're getting closer, but then we're also kind of, you know, doing our own thing, so we don't talk to each other and see each other all the time, um, even though we do live fairly close to each other, but obviously we don't live in the same house anymore, but, you know, it's really cool to to be able to spend time with him and, uh, you know, have good conversations with him. So this week, we're going to continue on Kobe's story and leapfrog off of what uh, L. Duncan talked about in the trend that's been sweeping over social media um as being a hashtag girl dad and as pretty much everybody knows i absolutely am a girl dad and um i'm gonna talk a bit about my um experience raising naora and kind of where we're at now as she's 15 going on 16 this year and where we're at in high school and how i've been working to empower her as much as i possibly can and how we as fathers of girls can learn to empower our daughters. So that'll be the topic of this week's discussion. So um, 
I didn't get any reviews this week, so I guess you'll get sad music music today. And since I'm recording in my bedroom instead of in the living room, Amazon play It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday by Boyz II Men. Second time around, I got it right. So no, no five-star reviews this week, but I figured this song is appropriate to play for Kobe, for Gigi, especially for Kobe, because he was from Philadelphia. And obviously we know Boys Men repping Motown, Motown Philly back again, and they represent Philadelphia. Amazon, stop playing. So, my journey as a girl dad started when I was 20. Um, I met my ex-wife when we worked at Walmart here um, in 2000, the end of 2004. Um, so, we started dating and I think... We were going to go out on our first, like, official date. So I go to pick her up from her mom's apartment where she was living at at the time. And she introduced me to her mom. And she introduced me to this very cute, adorable, little three-month-old girl by the name of Nyora. And um, the very first time she saw me, she smiled at me. And that child had my heart from that moment on. Um so what most people don't know is that I'm Nyla's stepfather. Um, I've been a part of her life since she was three months old, but no, I'm not her biological father. So I'm sure some of you, if it's like her friends who listen to the podcast, which I don't think they do, but um, when they meet me and they're talking to me at band practice or at color guard practice or at competitions, they're often startled by the idea that I'm <laughs> not her biological father. And Nia looks at him and is like, yeah, I mean, he's not, you know. But um, I've been a part of her life almost every step of the way. Um, my journey of being a girl dad, I think one of my first memories of, you know, this is something different was, um, so Naora is three years yeah, three years older than my nephew, uh, Aiden. And Aiden was going to be christened um, at First Baptist when um, he was a baby. So this was like 2007. And I was like three, like like almost three years old. Like, because Aiden's birth, well, she's just a little bit over two years older than Aiden is. She's not quite three years old, older than him. So we come down for the christening. Well, actually, I think we're still living. No, it was 2007, so we were in Hattiesburg. So we come down for the christening, and we're sitting in the church, and Nia's like, Dad, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay. So I take her to the bathroom, and of course, most most fathers and daughters have this conundrum. So you take your small child to the bathroom. What do you do? You're in a public place that doesn't have a family bathroom. So do you, A, try to sneak into the women's bathroom with your daughter, B, Send her in the women's bathroom by herself and hope that some um, strange woman whom she doesn't know will help her in the bathroom and then send your child back out in one piece uh, without any bodily harm or kidnapping your child. Or C, take your daughter with you into the men's bathroom. So obviously I have to take option C because we're at church and I don't have a family bathroom. So um, go in the bathroom and I take her in there it's just like okay you know go do your business or whatever sweetheart and as i'm in the bathroom with her my older brother ben walks in with my nephew because my nephew has to be changed so you know i'm sitting in there and you know i'm just like oh hey ben it's like hey what you doing i'm like oh now now i had to go to the bathroom and you know obviously she's in the men's bathroom with me and now was three boys and you know my small two and a half almost three-year-old daughter in the men's bathroom 
And I'll never forget this. And of course he was just make he was just laughing and kikiing or whatever. But it does speak to something. So Nia's getting ready to finish up in the bathroom and Ben finishes changing Aiden. And he looks at me and he gets ready to walk out of the bathroom. It's like <laughs> glad I had a boy. And he walks out the bathroom. Um it never really dawned on me like how different life would be. I think maybe until that point of raising a daughter. Um, I don't have sisters, so figuring out how to raise a daughter had, you know, was inter- very interesting from the beginning. Like, how do how do I do this differently? Like, you know, how do I figure out what to do? How what are the boundaries? What are the rules? Because you know, I don't really know. Like, you know, my dad has two sisters, and mom has three sisters. But they didn't raise girls. So they have a little experience as far as having sisters and how that works. But they didn't have the task of rearing and raising up this child. So I think maybe around age like three or four. I think maybe when it was around the time she started going to elementary school. I kind of got the idea of, okay, maybe I need to just approach this of like how I would raise a son because I don't have any other kids right now. And I don't know. Well, of course in 2008, 2009, when I was like four or five years old, um, other kids were on the table. Um, this was before her mom got really sick and lupus set in. So other kids were on the table, but at the time, um, you know, it was just nice. So I was like, okay, um, maybe I just got to approach this of like how I would raise a boy. Um, so, you know, I put a, I put a controller in her hand and I like introduced her video games. Um, you know, there's maybe some clips on Facebook. I mean, it's so long ago of me trying to kind of coach her through like, um, yeah, Super Mario Galaxy. Actually, that video came up not that long ago, um, on my Facebook feed from like nine years ago or something like that. And, you know, trying to coach her through video games. And I tried to put a basketball in her hand, but that exactly didn't take. Um, But I remember as she got older and, you know, things like comic books and stuff like that with with my ex-wife. I remember, um, you know, we the the MCU was like in full force. And um, this was a few years ago when like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur was getting ready to come out, and I was like, you know, I think I want to get this for now, or, like, I mean, I think it would be really dope, like, I mean, it's a little girl that looks just like her, blah, 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 and I remember my ex-wife was like, you know, comic books are boys' things, you know, I don't want her reading stuff like that, I'm like, whatever, whatever, I'm like, why, why would you say that that is a boy thing, like, she plays video games, she watches these movies, like, you know, obviously she has some kind of connection to this, why would suddenly handing her a comic book be a terrible thing? Um, so, you know, I introduced her to comic books. And, you know, eventually as she's gotten a little older, she watches anime and she watches manga. And, you know, I mean, she reads manga. And, you know, obviously when the MCU drops or when Star Wars drops, typically I get to take her to these movies. Like I've taken her to see the last four Star Wars movies. Um, that have come out. I got to take her to see uh, Black Panther, um, Ms., uh, Captain Marvel, and Infinity War. Um, I didn't get to take her to see Endgame because I was with Alex to see Endgame. Um, but, you know, I think for me, becoming a girl dad was exposing her to all of the things that I found joy in as a, fa- as a young kid and experience you know, exposing her to those things of, well, okay, let's break down the gender barrier. Like if you like it, let's go with it. You know, whether it's video games, whether it's Star Wars, the MCU, comic books, anime, science fiction, all those things. Like if you love those things, I'm not going to stop you from enjoying them. Um, me as a father, I'm going to put the stuff in your hands and say, you make the decision. If you want this, if you like this, let's go with it. And more often than not, she's made the decision of, I like this and I want to continue to, you know, enjoy this. So as fathers, and if you are wanting to be a girl dad, and I've seen somebody put this pretty 
succinctly, and I and I didn't think about this right. Like being a girl dad is more than just hooping and hollering about it. It's genuinely liking your kid. And I, we're gonna talk about a couple of different things, a couple of different topics, um, as far as empowerment and what that means as a father. So, what can we do as men to um, truly empower our daughters and the young women in our lives? And it starts at an early age. Um, the first thing first is tell your daughter she's capable of anything. Um, I think one thing one thing that was really cool about the evolution of Kobe Bryant was. You know, seeing him grow into a father of, you know, imparting the game of basketball and still in the game of basketball in, in Gigi and, you know, fully endorsing the WNBA, you know, because eventually that would be the avenue that Gigi might end up taking, you know, because she wanted to go to UConn, um, which if anybody knows anything about college basketball, UConn is like the the premier um college as far as women's basketball you know she wanted to go to UConn and you know Kobe's support of the WNBA speaks to the path that his daughter was eventually going to take you know he was he was integral in her basketball team and the Marvel Academy you know and all those girls that that his daughter played with so tell your daughter that she's capable of anything help your daughter see and realize her strengths rather than focusing on primarily on how pretty she is Tell your daughter that she is smart, that she is capable, that her potential is immeasurable. Um, when you convince your daughter that anything is possible, you're well on your way to raising a strong, independent woman. Um, the next thing is notice women's contributions. Um, daughters need to see their father value women as smart, as opinionated, as ambitious. Look for opportunities to show your respect for women by mentioning their accomplishments and their intellect. Focus less on their appearance. Point out women doctors, scientists, speakers, leaders, mathematicians, entrepreneurs, politicians. So for me, taking Nye to go see Hidden Figures was like really big for me. Like for one, she loves Janelle Monet. Um, and when we talk about women's contributions, um, my daughter's first concert was going to see Janelle Monet at Jazz Fest with me the day after Prince died. So we are getting to see, you know, one of her favorite musicians live in concert, put on a show and show off her talents um, while at the same time honoring one of my favorite musicians um, who was a humongous inspiration to her. So it's still a funny story to me. So this is going on four years ago. So <laughs> mind you, as a parent who sometimes has financial you know, it's financially strapped sometimes. Right. So I was able to get my ticket and we go and jazz fest does like, um, kids tickets for like $5. So Naya's like, I think 12 at this point. So I think it was like 10 and under gets in for five bucks or like 11 and under, I think gets in for five bucks. So I pull the typical, you know, like black parent thing. I'm like, all right, so here's the deal. Anybody ask, you're you're 11 years old. Um, no questions asked. And she looks at me. She's like, why would I tell him that? I'm 12. I'm like, okay, now, or let me ask you this question. Do you want to pay $70 to get in and see this show? Or do you want to pay $5 to get in to go see this show? And she looks at me and she says, I am 11 years old. No questions asked. I'm like, very good. Let's go. So they didn't ask any questions. I got my ticket. We go in. And actually, the cool thing about it is, is like, I'm actually kind of mad about it. So I got a regular paper ticket um, for, you know, was like the first weekend, any day pass, whatever, for one day, whatever. So I got the regular ticket. She got a nice little commemorative Jazz Fest ticket that she framed after we went to the show. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad about that. I'm a little petty about that, even still. So we go in the show and we get in, we sit down. And, um, you know, we got our we got our, our chairs out because Jazz Fest is kind of a little bit more laid back, relaxed. Cause I think it's a more out older crowd that attends Jazz Fest than like Essence Fest. Well, obviously, Essence Fest is indoors um, inside the Superdome. And then Voodoo Fest is more the younger kind of rock crowd or whatever. So, you know, we got our lounge chairs and we're chilling and, you know, the shows get ready about to start. And they wheel Janelle out on her little uh, the little stretcher that she's on like a la Hannibal Lecter or whatever. And Nas is like, you know, I think I'm just going to sit down for the show. I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, you say that. So within one song, 
which I think she did, uh, Give Me What You Want, which I think was the song she did with Prince. So within one song, when Queen came on, an hour stands up and she never sat back down for the rest of the show. So um, Janelle, like, she cries a couple times during the show and then she breaks down crying at the end of the show and they whisk her off stage and Nara just looks at me. She's like, I just want to go back there and give her a hug. <laughs> so, um, you know, and of course, like I talk about, uh, you know, um, Michelle Obama and, and how amazing and the contributions that she's provided. Um, you know, I talk about, you know, um, historically black, important black women of the past. Um, you know, I talk about, you know, Greek organizations now, especially, you know, dating Alex and, you know, Alex being a Zeta. And I talk about, you know, the Greek organization, especially the sororities and talk about HBCUs and the impact of that as far as the community and those things for Nye. Um, but, you know, she wants to be and get into animation. And, you know, that's one of those things is trying to encourage and instill, you know, the ability in her to you know, highlight and harness her talents. Um, so the next thing is we want to encourage independence in our daughters. So um, it's our job as fathers to try to help them and encourage them to try new things, um, take on challenges and figure them out on their own. Reinforce the sense of confidence by telling your daughter that she can do it. Um, get your daughter involved in money management, which is something I want to try to start doing in the next year or so as she may start working and, um, cause it's a lesson that I'm still having to figure out as an adult. Um, notice if you, if your daughter is good with math or science or tech, which she's kind of, she's, she's, she's growing more academically. Um, you know, she's getting decent in math. She's getting decent in English. She's good in history. Um, she's got a pretty decent solid grasp on technology. And like I said, she wants to get into digital animation, um, at, as, as a career, so, you know, I'm trying to, you know, reinforce that by art supplies. And, oh, my gosh, she's gotten so many art supplies in the last few years. Um, notice if your daughter or we'll say or work against societal gender norms by letting your daughter know that she can do anything or be anything she chooses if she works hard enough and that you'll help her. And that's something I've definitely tried to do in the last couple of years. Um, the whole this whole thing with color guard um Interestingly, came in a time where I wasn't able to talk to Nye because there were issues going on between her mother and I with the divorce. So I get a text one day and her mom is like, hey, your daughter's trying out for color guard and this is the final trial. She wants you to be there. So I show up and she's out here, you know, twirling the flags. I still don't know where she got the idea. Well, I think she said that like one of her friends like was like she wanted to try out for color guard and convinced Nara to go out there with her. So, you know, next thing you know, I look up and my baby is doing color guard. I did not expect her to do this. So we're year two into this. And I've seen how, you know, shaky she was at the beginning to where she's at now. She's on varsity and she's kicking but I'm telling you, she's kicking butt. Um, they finished fifth yesterday in their first uh, competi indoor competition this year. Um, they finished in fifth place in their class. And I, and I was telling her, I was like, so we got in the car. And one thing that she was telling me when Miss um, Gilmore told her that she was going to be on varsity, she looked at her and she was like, well, eventually she asked her, like, why did you put me on varsity? Like, I don't think I belong here. And, you know, Ms. Gilmore basically broke it down as like how she carries herself, how mature she is for her age and how she feels like she can rely on her to, you know, be a good example for the other kids on guard is why she made varsity. So, you know, after the performance yesterday, we're driving home and I asked her, I'm like, do you still feel like you don't belong? And she's like, I don't know. And I basically told her, I'm like, look, here, baby, listen, when I say this. Any room you walk in, you deserve to be there, whether that's because you have worked your butt off and you've earned your spot, you are good enough, or somebody who saw you, was evaluating you, saw your potential and your talent and welcomed you into that room. So I, you know, I'm constantly encouraging her, like, you know, you earned your spot on varsity and you've earned everything that you've gotten whether that's in choir or in guard or your grades 
those things do not happen just because of sheer luck. You earn those things. And I'm proud of you for the work that you've provide that you've put in. So the next thing is let your daughters fail. And this is something, especially in therapy that I mentioned a lot, is that sometimes the greatest growth that we have not doesn't come in our victories, but it comes in our defeats. Um, the greatest growth occurs in the most difficult times. You can teach your daughter to be more resilient and trust in her own abilities by letting her handle disappointment and pick herself up again. And that's something that I've, I've done with her as far as guard goes when she feels like she has a bad show. You know, I'll just kind of point out that, hey, maybe it's not quite as bad as you feel like it is, but you also can learn from this this performance and come back stronger next time around. Um, Give your daughter the skills to handle failure by letting her make mistakes and discover that she can recover and try again. Not only will you be teaching her to be open to change and try new things, but you'll also be teaching her essential life skills of tenacity and resilience. Um. Develop critical thinking, and that's one that I've always instilled in her is to, as a, as a therapist, it's kind of easy. It was well, psych, a psych major and now a therapist. It's kind of easy to teach a kid to, you know, observe what's going on and question and make questions and observate, make questions based off your observations and the information that you're receiving from your environment. Um, be an example for gender equality is the last one. Our kids watch what we do more than they hear what we say. When our daughters see our fathers doing a fair share of household work, they assume that it is totally normal for men and women to divide chores equally. It might sound like a little thing, but it sends a message that goes against gender-based stereotype that there is such a thing as quote-unquote women's work. When your daughter sees an equitable distribution of household labor between both parents, she sees equality. When your daughter sees her dad respecting her mom's career and respecting her, his wife's wife for being a strong, independent woman, a, a girl learns that it's okay to become a strong, independent woman herself. Um, and another thing on top of that for me is kind to modeling and showing respect for her mom, even in times where I'm angry, especially since we're divorced. Um, for me, it's been hard at times to deal with the divorce um because of you know you know a few things um i don't necessarily want to say but for me one thing that is important for me to do is to continuously try to show as much respect as possible to Naura's mom even in that process where i there's certainly the times where i'm frustrated or i'm mad or i'm just really irritated but um it's important for me to show her respect still, but it's also important that, you know, there, when we were married, I had, I did do a lot of the house cleaning mainly because of my wife's physical, my ex-wife's um, physical limitations. So I've been able to model that, that um, precedent and that kind of example of, you know, being able to, you know, show that there's equal share in what the your parents are supposed to do as far as um, cleaning up your house. So I have a teenager. So those things are things that you can start with your children at a very young age for my, uh, my, my friends out there that have daughters that are very young, you know, starting at a young age of learning to put into them empowerment and showing, you know, that you as a man or a champion of, you know, gender equality are important and vital things at a young age. But for me as a teenager, um, well, with a kid with a teen, that's a teenager, um, it's a little bit different because now I'm getting into, you know, the realm of sex and boys and, you know, college and what can happen in college and those things. Um, so, what can I, as a teenage, as a father with a teenager, do to still build that bond with my child? So I've done a few things. So we'll first we'll we'll focus on the relationship aspect of it, and then I'll transition to the sex part of it, and we'll start wrapping up with that. So with the first thing is, um, this is an article that I got that is from fatherly.com. It's three ways that fathers can empower their teenage daughters 
So the first thing is create and nurture a shared activity that you both love to do. So for my kid, it's Star Wars. We love Star Wars. Um, we just saw Rise of Skywalker a couple weeks ago and we were like, oh, that was cool, blah, 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 blah. Um, but like one of our favorite memories in Star Wars is Rogue One and the scene in Rogue One at the end of the movie where um, they're getting like they have the plans for the Death Star and they're trying to get it to Princess Leia and fucking lights, the lights go out and Darth Vader shows up and Darth Vader absolutely wrecks shop. And if you know my child, you know, she loves Darth Vader. And just the glee in her face as she's watching. Now, mind you, mind you, we shouldn't. It's like it's that wrestling thing. Like Darth Vader is like the movie villain equivalent of the NWO. Um, he's a cool villain now at this point in um, in movie lore and in Hollywood lore. You know, you don't necessarily are. You're not necessarily supposed to root for Darth Vader, but you just think Darth Vader is so freaking cool that you root for Darth Vader. And my child, my 15 year old daughter is watching Darth Vader murder a bunch of rebels and her and I are absolutely enjoying it so much. It's just like like I think we both have said that that scene in Rogue One is probably the coolest thing we've ever seen in Star Wars. Now, the Duel of the Fates fight with um Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and um, Darth Maul is also very lit, but uh, yeah, that, that scene with Vader in Rogue One, um, Naira and I have holding a very particular place in our heart, and we love it very much. Um, so, you know, cultivating things that you and your, and your daughter share that are, you know, uh, an activity that you share that is, you know, beautiful to each other is very vital and strong to your connection as you know she's reaching her teenage years and becoming more and more independent um video games is still one for her and i that we enjoy you know every now and then every now and again when our schedules are not so hectic we'll play video games together um but i love that like here's the thing that i love about our relationship is like now understands that i'm a funny dad so if she's around her cousins and, you know, I'm hanging out with my nephews at, you know, my brother's house or my parents' house, Naira would be like, hey, Aiden, Dante, why don't you play my dad in Dragon Ball? Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Knowing, <laughs> now, mind you, Naira knows what the deal is. Or when her friends come by, hey, why don't y'all play my dad in a uh, fighting game? Because she knows that I'm going to beat their ass. <laughs> she just she knows so she's like i can't beat my dad so i'm gonna let my dad beat up on all my friends and i'm gonna laugh at it because i think it's hilarious um so the next thing is hug your daughters and they'll hug you back and the author says this i know this sounds easy but many fathers go through an uncomfortable phase as their daughter's bodies changes from asexual to sexual one father shared with me an awkward moment while walking down the stairs crossing his teenage daughter coming up the stairs she caught him she caught him looking at her breast and blurted out yeah dad i have i have breasts they're called breast um freud same freud obviously wrote at length about the incest taboo but offered little little advice for fathers on how to navigate the minefield to ward off this uncomfortable phase, many fathers withhold affection which inadvertently leaves their daughter feeling rejected confused and alone Healthy touch and affection affirms the other, validates their existence and the importance to us more than words, more than any word could ever do. It also models healthy male affection and create a safe space and haven for all the negative sexualized messages girls receive from mainstream media and all those quote unquote stupid immature boys at school. Men like formulas. So learn, play, hug recipe in that order helps fathers struggling to connect and guide their teenage daughters on a path to empowered womanhood. So that's really dope. Um, and I don't necessarily know if I had that phase when I first started developing. Um, no, I take it back. I mean, it might've been a little, it might've been a little awkward at first. I didn't really understand it at first. Like, you know, how do I, how do I approach you? Do I hug you? Do I try to avoid 
you know, touching you inappropriately, blah, 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 blah. But now as I'm older, you know, one of my things that I know that I show affection to is like, I'll poke her in the leg. Just poke, poke, poke. Hey, sweetheart, what are you doing? What are you doing? How you doing? You okay? <laughs> and she'll just be like, what? Hi, dad. What are you doing? I'm like, nothing. Just have a good time. Poke, poke. Hey, hey, sweetheart. I love you. You're the best. You're my pride and joy. And, you know, you're going to continue on my legacy. And I want you to know that I love you and I'm proud of you. So, you know, creating healthy touch and something that is something that is really important for your kids to kind of know um, that is important to her and that that you're important, that she is important to you. And that ultimately, you know, you want to be a space and a sense of comfort and a sense of you know, security for your daughter and not necessarily a place that can be a sense of rejection. And there's something that I'm going to read in a second that goes on to that um, topic that we just talked about. Um, well, actually, it's how we're going to end the show um, this week. I'm trying to see. I, don't know, I, I looked over this article and I'm trying to remember where the first one was. Um Okay, I got it. So basically, the first part of this thing is basically learn how to manage and deal with having a teenage daughter, like um, read books if you have to Um, understand what makes your teenage daughter tick emotionally, relationally, socially, hormonally, uh, neurochemically and so on. So you start to feel less confused and disoriented by behaviors that you might once call felt baffling. So, you know, learning how to raise a teenage daughter has taken some work, but you know, somewhat what I've done is just, it's learning on the fly and it's learning by observation. It's learning by trial and error. It's learning through, you know, of course for me, it helps that I'm a therapist. So, you know, learning, you know, about personalities and behaviors and those things are kind of easy. So, you know, what I've, been able to do is largely cultivate a relationship with Naora where we communicate with each other and we talk. So I kind of understand how her relationship's going, you know, what's going on at school, how are your friends, you know, has your cycle started? Are you taking your birth control pills or regulated? Are you, you know, do you need, you know, personals here at the house, you know, getting comfortable with those things of, Ooh, my daughter has a cycle, you know, Ooh, my daughter has his own birth control, you know, getting comfortable with those things. So I know how to handle them. If she either has side effects or, you know, her cramps are really bad. And now I need to manage that, which happened a couple months ago. That was, whew, that was an ordeal. I'd never seen that happen before. My baby was not feeling well that day. Ooh, buddy. Um, but as a father of a girl, here's the thing that we have to really, really, really pay attention to. And I've been saving this article for a while. Fellas, listen to me when I say this, especially if you have a young black girl, she's going to get older and her body is going to develop and society is going to tell her all of these things about her body. Don't add to that. Black girls aren't fast. You've just been taught to sexualize them. I've been saving this article for quite some time. So um, this is an article that came out two years ago. And when I got ready to do the podcast, I found this article on Facebook and I saved it because I was like, you know, I kind of I want to talk about this at some point. And now here's a perfect time to talk about it. If you're really a girl dad. Your daughter is going to develop. She's going to be a young black girl who's going to have hips and a butt and breast and, yes, a vagina. She's going to have those things. There's going to be a boy or a girl or a gender non-specific person who will find your daughter attractive and will want to have sex with your child. Here's the thing. Do not shame your child because of the attributes, the physical attributes that your child will develop and have. Remember, genetically speaking, we cannot control how our body develops. It just does. When I hit puberty, I wish that I could have developed and not had man boobs. But guess what? I had man boobs even when I was skinny when I was a teenager. They're bigger now, and I probably can wear a bra at this point now because I've gained weight and I've gotten older. But as men, as boys, we cannot control how our body developed. And our girls can't control that either. 
But as fathers and as men, what we can do is control the messaging that we send to our daughters. So this article is from King of Reads and the it starts off with last week, Tracy Young uh, Byron, good name. Um, the owner of the Young Contemporary Dance Theater in Florida posted a video of her amazingly talented dancers in action. The video has gone viral and many comments have been posted in response, but comments, but the comments have not been support, have not been supportive and many have found the girl's attire have been focused on their attire rather than their talent. Attire is something that is standard in the dance world, mind you. Um, Look at these fast ass girls, quote unquote, quote, if they were my daughters, no way in hell they'd come out looking like that, like these little hoes, end quote. They'll be strippers by the time they're 19, quote unquote, fast ass hoes. What is what do we truly think of our girls? Mind you, this is a tire that doesn't look much different than some of the bodysuits and some of the some of the outfits that I see in color guard. Um Hell, there was a there was a uh, a uh, a show last night that was about cats, right? So the the headwear that they were wearing was like reminiscent of Catwoman, like um, you know. And if you you know if you're sexualizing girls, you can very clearly let your mind go to a very dark place. But you have to sit back and remind yourself, like they're supposed to be cats. And clearly that's like Catwoman. And, you know, that's kind of part of the play of the show. And, you know, they mix in the Pink Panther, um, you know, uh, theme. And they they mix in like another thing about cats. I think maybe the show Cats. I'm, I, I've heard the song before, but I can't remember exactly where I've heard it from. But I think it may be from Cats, the, the musical Cats, um, you know the the bodysuits that Nye wears like she wore like a a dress last year this year she's wearing like almost like a full jumpsuit this year um the the JV girls are wearing like a dress that's similar to what Nye wore last year but you know if we are taking what's happening out of context and sexualizing these girls bodies and of course as I'm looking at the pictures you know sure make the the all the terrible sexualization of these girls bodies you know for what you know what they are here's the thing because they're black girls and they have hips and they have butts and that stuff like that that's why it's so easy to be like oh look look how fast they are blah 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 when they're just doing what they what they love to do and that's dance you know it's it's bullshit that we attack black girls especially with the the label of quote-unquote being fast you know one thing i've pushed back on as a father is that, yeah, my daughter will have sex at some point. I can't control that. My job is to educate her and how to be safe and how to protect herself as best as she can when that day comes and to be able to allow myself to be someone who is comfortable as a place of love and a place of support to be like, okay, dad, so this is kind of where I'm at with this. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. So, unfortunately, our attitudes towards black girls run rampant within our community. Just look at social media and you'll see dozens of disparaging comments about black girls' bodies and their attires. Our girls are not allowed to be free and openly express themselves without being policed, sexualized, or criticized. This greatly contributes to poor body image amongst black girls. Um, as the author previously wrote um, in a thing called Feminist Wednesday, the harsh and constant policing of black girls' bodies has led us to become ashamed of ourselves, ashamed of our bodies and our sexualities. For larger hips, ample asses, and breasts are hyposexualized. As a defense mechanism, we hide our sexual desires in order to repel this hyposexualization and judge others who choose not to. We label other women as quote unquote hoes and stare clear of them and still suffer from the fear of being labeled as a quote-unquote fast-tailed girl. We quickly dismiss victim statements about their sexual assaults and instead run to the perpetrator's defense. Prime example, R. Kelly or Bill Cosby. Um, 
the society, the social acceptance of body shaming, slut shaming, victim blaming within black community has shown our girls are not valued with the statistics to prove it. Um, one of the things that I know I found I found crazy and startling um, was I, I want to say it was Feminista Jones was asking this on social media one day. And if it wasn't her, feel free to forgive me. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I remember her commenting on this was posing the question of, okay, black girls, when was the first time that you were approached by an older black man and seen as a sexual being? And the number, the age numbers were just like baffling of like how young some of the women were responding of how young she was when she was approached by an older man in a kind of sexual manner. I seen people post something as young as like eight years old. It was like insane. Um, I mean, it was wild. Like, um, the the article goes on and says that um, if you've ever been called a fast tail, fast at, if you've ever called a girl fast or hot, you've perpetrated a rape culture. If you've ever called a girl a hoe, a thought, or a hoe in training, you've perpetrated a rape culture. If you've ever forced your daughter to change clothes because her outfit was, quote unquote, revealed too much, you've perpetrated a rape culture. If you've ever taught your daughter to change clothes because a, quote unquote, certain male family member was coming over, you've perpetrated a rape culture. If you've ever second guessed an assault victim story um, as what they were wearing, you've perpetrated in rape culture. Admittedly, as a man, these are things that I've had to learn to not engage in um still not perfect but i've gotten especially when it comes to my daughter you know i actually have to convince her to wear a dress (laughs) but you know i often will tell her i'm like you know i get that you don't necessarily feel comfortable wearing these things but that might change over time and i support you however you're gonna dress whether you want to wear you know, a hoodie and jeans, or if you want to put on a skirt and put on heels and wear a dress and look pretty, I support you, you know, you know, this is your body. And I want you to be fully feel like you have full control over how you want to present yourself. Um, you know, so here's the things that as fathers that we can do to teach our daughter about dating, about relationships, about men, about and about sex education. And for me, one of those things is I made it a point to give her sex education and not just abstinence only education, educating about condoms, educating about sexual health, about normalizing the idea of sex and that normalizing it is okay and that you're going to want to have sex at some point in your life and how to protect yourself. And that ultimately you understand and know that I don't have control over that, that So long as you are protecting yourself, that you are safe, that you are making sure your physical safety is in paramount, that your sexual safety is at paramount. Do what you want to do your thing. You know, I'm not necessarily going to have let your boyfriend come over here and y'all smash while I'm in my house, but I'm going to normalize the idea of what sex is. And when you are ready and you are emotionally mature enough and emotionally ready to make that kind of decision, I'm not going to be like, you're a whore now because you've had sex and you've given up your virginity. I'm not going to be T.I. and taking you to the clinic and having your hymen checked. I'm not doing that. You know, and I talked to Nye about about that situation when T.I. said what he said. And I'm like, I'm still actually shocked that T.I. apologized to his daughter like after Kobe died. Um, But hey, I mean, you get there when you get there, right? But here's the things, here's eight things that we can teach our daughters about um, sex, you know, and relationships as they get older. So first things first is talk about yourself when you talk about men. Um, That boys are bad, right? Right. So if you have parental instincts to warn your daughter against boys and tell her boys are bad, we should probably tell you stop doing that at once. Take a step back, breathe, and then engage in a proper dialogue with your daughter about boys. Never tell them that boys are bad. This is one dimensional. It instills fear in her and then later 
Um, she might have issues placing her trust in her male friends or her partner. Instead, just talk about her guy friends and know what she thinks. Well, let her talk about her guy friends and what she thinks. Talk about yourself. Tell your stories. Stories when um, you had to shed your own patriarchal approach to support women as equals. Stories where you learned to change your perception and fought for gender biases for the better. Um, tell her about in detail um, about gender disparities with your daughter to help that might transform her into a better image of herself. Talk to her about boys, how boys perceive things, what they like and dislike, and how they think. Um, number two, teach her that respect begets respect. So yeah, teach her, uh, teach her that respect begets respect. So um, kind of something I mentioned earlier with this is show her mother respect. Um, show her respect as well. Respect her decision-making ability. Um, respect her independence. Respect her perspective. Even if you're, you disagree and you have to kind of impart a little wisdom on her as far as kind of how she sees the world and her perspective on things. But um, your concern should still be that if she's making the right choices, if her choices are influenced by a guy's coolness quotient, charming smile, popularity, and wealth. Um, because, you know, she's not supposed to choose a partner or a friend um, going by superficial attributes. Um, here's the thing that it says, right, is just saying that she should choose someone who is loyal and loves who is loyal to her, loves her, and respects her for being herself might not be enough. As a father, you should be a role model for her. She will take cues from your behavior, so treat her mom well and respect her. Um, even in you know where you're not maybe not together no, anymore, like in my situation, show as much respect as you possibly can to her mom, even you know if you have differences, and that is not always easy. So number three, help her move on from toxic friends. Number four, teach her about consent, which is something that I'm going to talk about. Um, and it's going to get its whole own episode about um, consent. Um, now for, and there's something I noticed that Ricky and Shelby do, right? Um, raising a young boy, right? So with, with your kids in general, right? Consent starts at a very young age. Teaching your child about consent can start as simple as, Okay, give me a high five, and your your child says no, and you say, okay, now I I got you, I respect that decision. That is teaching them consent. Um, you know, teaching them consent at a very young age from little small things like, um, can I have a bite of your cookie? No, Dad, you can't have a bite of my cookie. Okay, I don't have your consent to do that. Um, number five, teach her to believe in her gut feelings. For her to trust her gut feelings, her to believe in her um, beliefs right from her childhood days, her dreams, her fears, her fantasies, help her to be have a patient ear. Never judge her actions, but always be there to guide her. This will help her develop her inner voice. That will help her say no when she wants to say no and never give in for the heck of it. When it comes to men, relationships, sex, empower her to follow her gut. Tell her when she reaches the right age that no one can empower her physically, I mean, overpower her physically or mentally. Um, number six, make her street smart. Um, it's one thing to, you know, be mentally strong, but you should also be encouraging uh, encouraging her Um that she's enough to make her physically strong as well and roll on self-defense classes. That's not necessarily something I've done, um, but empower her with tools to be able to protect herself. Um, and that's something I may get to when I get a little bit older, when she gets a little bit older, um, talk about sex. And it's something that I've done. I've done a bit. And of course she's still kind of like squeamish about it, but it's, I, I feel like it's important to talk to her about it. Um, don't shy away from using a word with her. Um, it is on, the only way to start talk sex, sex education at home. Um, because if you don't, 
she's going to be seeking information from the internet or from her peer groups, which can be unreliable sources. So make sure the topic is spoken at home first. Between a father and daughter, things can get a little bit awkward. Probably you can start with gifting a basic guidebook on sex education, um, maybe when she's a preteen. And once she's read it, start the conversation. Uh, talk about the pros and cons and the consequences of sex and why she needs to be careful about her actions. Um, if you're a single dad, there's definitely no escaping it. So educate her about contraceptives, pregnancy, and childbirth. All these things um, can help her immensely. Um, and the last thing is tell her that sex is beautiful. Um, you probably don't use the statement. You probably don't have to use this statement. And don't make the mistake of saying that sex is dirty, unwanted, or taboo. Instead, during your conversations, make her understand that sex is beautiful. It is the most wonderful way to bring two people close together to each other, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Tell her it is a choice, not an obligation. Um, she can choose whether to have it or not. Um, and no one should be able to pressure her into it. These things can help her avoid falling Pray to um, marital rape, domination, um, and mental torture, which can often, which most women often endure silently. Um, definitely don't let, and that's something you don't want your kid to go through. Um, yeah, so I've, I've I've talked to her a little bit about sex and um, try to do a decent job about normalizing it. And I know that that sounds like crazy, but you know I don't want. I don't want not to have the same hangups that I had about sex growing up, especially growing up in, in, in a Christian house where, you know, mom is like, OK, save it, save it until marriage. And dad's like, you're a man, you're a boy, you know, go out there and do your thing. You know, it, it led to a whole lot of mixed signals in my brain um, where I'm just now to a point where I have a much more comfortable, and healthy relationship with sex. So, you know, it was my job as a father. I want to try to empower Nia to be able to make, you know, as educated decisions as she can about her body, how she sees herself and sex in general. At the end of the day, she can protect herself as best as she can and she can kind of live her, her life more fulfilled. And without as, as few hangups as possible. So that's me. And that's my journey and my role of being a, a girl dad. And I'm a guard dad, you know, and I'm a choir dad. So, you know, she's my only my only baby girl. She's my only kid. And she'll probably be my only kid. And like I told her the other day, it's like, I want you to know this. I'm going to give you everything possible to, you know, carry on my name because you're it you're the only kid that i'll have and i probably will ever have so my legacy will live through you so i want to live and be as good of an example of you and as good of an example for you so that when i'm gone that my name will live on well through you so yeah that's that's my job as a guard dad and a girl dad and a choir dad so with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here on the Captain's Couch. Um, leave your boy a five-star review. Um, leave me feedback on the social medias at all the places, at Captain's Couch on Twitter, at Captain Ingenuity on Twitter, um, Captain Ingenuity on Instagram, the Facebook, uh, the Captain's Couch page, my regular, regular, regular Facebook page. Um, yeah, leave me feedback and, you know, comment in on on how you feel about the episode and you know as you know i mean i've seen all my my my, my fellas my friends that are out there that are um fathers or daughters you know post their baby girls and the hashtag uh girl dad you know i appreciate y'all i appreciate all of y'all i appreciate kobe for growing into that kind of a man before he he passed on to be a girl dad and and love and empower his daughters the way that that he did with his oldest was playing volleyball and Gigi was playing basketball and and you know instilling that competitive drive in them and encouraging and supporting them. Um, you know, it was really cool to see. 
Um, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here on the Captain's Couch, and I will catch you all next week. Peace. Congregation, would you turn your text to the book about cast? Chapter 2, verse 1, the first one to feel me. Jump up and make a joyful noise, you thought cast it. Meaning, now you have a choice like that. You've been waiting.